even got a hot face? Man, I'm cooking. It's not hormones. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thanks, team. At least you couldn't stay every drive. Thanks. Wow, 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 wow. What an incredible season we're in. Who's been enjoying the, the messages? God's been just unfolding into our hearts. I just feel like, you know, you know, God is so gentle, he's so kind, he's so good, and he just, he's just getting in our hearts and he's just layering in his love every week to us, every service to us. It just feels like he's just coming and just pouring out his love to us. And if you haven't been here in the last uh, few weeks, well, it's okay, you can catch up. He may just pour out a double, triple anointing upon you of his love tonight. Amen. We've been talking about um, sonship, the spirit of sonship, about being a son or a daughter of God, about belonging, about being adopted into God's family, about finding home, about unpacking your bags, about being with your Father. We've been talking about how much the Father loves us and the revelation of our Father God, how he's not in heaven just, you know, waiting for us to make a mistake, but he is our loving Father who just longs to just be an intimate part of our lives. Amen? And we've been learning about God, loving God and then we've been learning about loving each other because it's, you know... We're a church, we're a family. We've been talking in the in last Sunday about being a family. And those of you who weren't here in the morning service, you need to get the recordings because, you, you know, we're releasing them on podcast. Um, but if you don't have the internet, we're going to release the whole uh, series anyway, uh, hard copy, because it's such an impacting series. I think other Christians need to hear it. Other people need to hear it. If, if they are Australian, they need to be hearing this message. You know, we've talked about how we've come under this, this spirit of rejection that's over our nation and how it affects us uh, as individuals and how it's hard for us to get out from under that. But God is renewing our minds. God is touching us. God is shaping us. God is forming us. And God is giving us revelation knowledge that absolutely breaks through. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. And the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And tonight I want to take you further into that truth. And just have a, let's have a look at this scripture to start with. Mark 12, 28 to 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour, as you love yourself, there is no commandment greater than these. Jesus was saying this. He said, the most important one, the most important thing that you can do with your life is love God, love each other, and love yourself. 
You see, we, we leave that out when we read that. You know, love your neighbour as you love yourself. We just skip over that bit, especially as Australians. Because that, 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 that concept is just too hard for us. We're so insecure, we're so inside ourselves, we just battle inside of ourselves so much with rejection that if somebody says, you know, love yourself, all we want to do is rip everything else down, tall poppy syndrome, pull everything down because we feel so bad about ourselves on the inside. And if we were honest tonight and we said, put up your hand if you wrestle in your mind with your own self-worth, I would say just about every hand yeah, they're popping up all over the place even now, would go up and just say, that's me. That's me. But our Father God, he doesn't want us to live like that. But we have an enemy who wants us to stay in bondage. Amen? He wants us to stay under that oppression of, of, of self-hatred, of, of low self-esteem, staying in that place of rejection, staying in that place where we never feel quite good enough because while we're there, we are actually powerless to do anything. We're, we're intimidated. We're, we're withdrawn. We don't want to approach people and tell them about Jesus in case we get rejected. We keep to ourselves. We keep walls around ourselves. We let people in only this far. We want to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. But how can we love God with all our soul if our soul is still in rejection? And so I love you, God. I love you. I love you with my spirit because your spirit is perfect when you're born again. Amen? The minute you're born again, your spirit is perfect before God. But you've got a soul. You've got an old man. You've got some flesh that needs to catch up. And there's this war. The Bible says, talking about this war that goes inside of us between the old man and the new man, between the flesh and the spirit. And the Bible says that those who walk according to the spirit are the sons of God. Amen? But our soul wars inside of us. And we need to get our soul to be quiet so we can hear God. And the enemy would want your soul to get louder and louder and louder to keep you away from God, to keep you away from each other, and particularly to keep you away from yourself. Because if you love yourself, you can love God fully and you can love people fully. Amen? We are designed to love ourselves, you know. And what happens when we don't love ourselves? What happens when we don't have this self-esteem? And I'm not talking about self-esteem that comes from what we do or what we look like or what we achieve. Amen. I'm talking about self-esteem that comes from just who you are. This unique creation, who you are, who you are. Amen. And out there in the world, we see all these famous people and we look at them and we envy them and, and we're fan clubs with them. And, and they've got, seemingly they've got it all together. They've got the looks, they've got the fame, they've got everything going on. But if you, for one minute, were in their dressing room with them, you would know they're sad, lonely people. And the enemy is out there trying to destroy people. He wants to destroy you. And when we don't attach ourselves to our Heavenly Father and begin to love ourselves, that destruction, just it just takes over our lives. Amen? Amen? But God wants us to flourish in his house, to grow, to blossom, to be loved, and to love. Amen? Amen. And if we can get a hold of that, if we can just get a hold of that, amen, 
Self-esteem is it's a term used in psychology to reflect a person's overall evaluation. We often say like things like, I am competent or I am worthy. And we, we think of emotions that help our self-esteem. But you know what? When it comes down to it, deep down, deep down inside of us, no matter how many people tell us that we're good, no matter how many things we do well, no matter how, many, how, how attractive we can make ourselves, if we don't hear it from our Father God, we will never, ever believe it. You see, there was a time when we were walking in the garden with God. We are walking with him in intimacy in this garden, and God was at one with us. We were one. And God would speak with us. There was an intimate relationship with God. Amen. And then man fell. Man ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is, we'll pick it up here in Genesis 3, 8 to 11. This is what happened. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Tonight, the Lord is calling to you. Where are you? Because sometimes we can still hide from God. Sometimes there's these places in our lives where we don't want to present them to God. Amen. And the man answered him, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. And I explained this morning that this nakedness that they talk about in the Garden of Eden is not just physical nakedness. That we as human beings were designed to be naked or transparent before God and before one another, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. God desires a relationship with us where we are absolutely transparent with him. I painted this this week, and in two days of fasting and prayer, I just wanted to depict someone just standing so transparently before God, and just the whole of heaven just opening up and just coming and just filling that transparent place with God himself. God wants us to be like that, amen? He wants us to just be so real with him, so open with him. But we have this place in us that we just don't believe that we're worthy or we don't believe that we're good enough, amen? But the Bible calls us into this place out of hiddenness. You know, if we could just be like little children, who's ever seen little children? I mean, they don't really care, do they? I mean, they just are who they are. You've ever seen a child dancing down the street in the supermarket, I mean, I go into like, you know, the shopping centre with Joey and we'll walk into a shop and there's music playing and she just starts dancing, just, just starts dancing and all the shop, you know, the shop owners and the workers in the shop, they just look, oh, she's so cute and then they start dancing with her because she's free, they become free and God wants us to have that freedom. You know, the Father says this to us, I know you better than you know yourself. And we're trying to hide from him, but the fact of the matter is we can't hide from him. 
There's nowhere we can hide from him. So we just need to come out. Come out of ourselves and be real with God. Be transparent with our Father. He's calling us into that place of transparency so that he can show us who we are. You know, God actually sees into you. And Jesus proved that when he walked the earth. He would just see into people. He would see beyond who they were, their pretenses. They, he would see beyond their reputation, their job descriptions, and he would find people, amen, past all those things. Amen. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You search me and you know me. And I look in the Bible, I see people like Gideon. I mean, Gideon, if you read the scriptures, Gideon was a fearful, insecure young man. He was really fearful. He was afraid of everything. The scriptures actually say that he was actually, um, he was actually, what do you do with wheat? He was threshing wheat in a wine press. I think he was very confused as well. He might have just been a little bit schizophrenic or something back in those days. But he was a strange man and he was afraid. And in Judges, it says here, Judges 6, 12, it says here, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I mean, Gideon must have just looked at this angel and went, What? What are you talking about? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior? And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I am sending you. And Gideon just looks and says, But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. You know, he's, he's saying, My clan are the weakest and I am the least. He had a fear problem. He had an insecurity problem. But when God looked at him and said these words to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength that you have. Go and save. Something happens when God says to us and speaks to us and and confers words on us that change who we are. Amen? If we look at Moses... God goes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to you know, go and speak to Pharaoh and free my people, set my people free. And Moses says to God, I can't even speak. I mean, I start a God. You don't understand. I can't speak. I can't even speak. But God uses the mouth of a man who can't speak to speak words that release a whole nation from captivity. You see, when God looks at you, he sees who you were originally made to be. Not who you've become or who you think you are or what life has made you or circumstances have shaped you in, but he sees the original walking in the garden creation, the unique creation that he made you to be. And all you need to do is hear what he says about you instead of what you say about yourself, what the devil says about you, what other people say about you what your mirror says about you. Amen? You need to hear God. We see Zacchaeus in Luke 19. This man, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, so he's short, he's got a problem there already, he could not see because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the guest to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times this amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. This man, he's a tax collector. He's hated by everybody. He was short. He, 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 was, he, you know, he was a sinner. But when Jesus looked at him, something happened inside of this man. I think when you look into the eyes of Jesus, suddenly you realize who you are. When you look into the eyes of your heavenly father, it's suddenly you get a revelation of who you are. And suddenly everything that you think you are or you've become because of sin or circumstances or what other people have said, it just drops off you. It just peels off you. Amen? God said, God said, and Jesus said to this man, that he was saying to him, I see worth in you. And then Zacchaeus says, well, if he sees worth in me, then I want to get my life right. And he didn't want to get his life right because he was on some guilt trip, because he was on some works program where he had to get brownie points with God. He wanted to get his life right because someone believed in him, because someone found worth in him. And so many times we, we'll just come to God and think that we, if we do everything right, if we... If we, if we, you know, if we tick all the boxes, then God will love me. But I want to tell you this. God loved you before you were even saved. He loved you while you were still a sinner. What makes you think you can impress him now with your good works? He loves you anyway. He loves you if you never did anything. Because he created you to love. That's exactly what he created you for. You didn't have to jump up and down. You didn't have to, you know, beat yourself up to be loved by God. See, that's religion. Religion tells you that you have to earn brownie points and that you have to do this and this and this and this and this. I mean, I've heard of some religious ridiculous you have to be reincarnated, I don't know how many times. Come back as all these funny creatures until you finally get to the higher life. Help me. You know, I never want to be a grasshopper. No. I'm happy. I'm happy as a human being and just once on this life is enough for anybody. Amen. Who wants to do it over and over and over again? Not me. Once I get it right, I want to go home. And that's it. Amen. Once and once only. And you know, you, we talk about Buddhism and all these different religions, but you know, every other religion demands a sacrifice. 
Every other religion demands a sacrifice. Christianity is the only one that became a sacrifice for you. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. He gave his life, free gift. He said, it is finished. It's over. By his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are made whole. By his stripes, you're a child of God. By his stripes, you're accepted. By his stripes, you are righteous. By his stripes, you are loved. By his stripes, you are beautiful. By his stripes, you're successful. By his stripes, you don't have to do a thing. You just be you. You know, one definition that when people were asked, you know, what is self-worth? What's the definition of self-worth? And I'll just read it out to you because I thought it was beautiful. One girl said, a state of total and absolute freedom. Freedom to choose to be myself. Another person said, self-worth or self-esteem is when I deeply and completely love and accept myself. It's It's such an important thing. It's so powerful to be in a place where you can just love yourself. Accept yourself. This is not a competition. You didn't come down here to compete with anybody. God didn't put you on this planet to compete with anyone. God put you here to be you. And there is no other you. Never has been, never will be. There is not one human being that has ever been like another human being. Absolutely, completely unique. You, only one of you, ever. In all the human beings that have ever been created and ever will be created, there's only one you. One, ever. How can you compete when there's no one else like you? How can you compare yourself when there's no one else like you? You're the only one. You're the crown of all creation. When God created you, he said it was very good. You're very good. You're very good. It's time to realize that. Amen? I love this about this guy, this Zacchaeus. Because what was it that made him turn his whole life around? It was love. It was love. The scriptures say it is his kindness that brings us to repentance. Why do I serve God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength? Why do I love him? Why do I give him everything? Why do I live a clean and righteous life? Why do I, why do I sacrifice everything that I have, my finances, my family, everything that I am every second of my time? Why do I give that to him? Because he loves me so, so, so much that I've just got to love him back. I've just got to. And sometimes I get grieved that I can't love him enough because he deserves so much more than what I can give him. And one day when I'm made perfect, when when I stand before him, like each one of us, 
when he makes us perfect and we'll be able to love him with perfect love the way he loves us, oh my goodness, what a great day that will be, amen. At the moment we want to love with perfect love but we're imperfect. But he loves us anyway. Amen. Do you know the scriptures say that that perfect love casts out fear. And fear is because we're afraid of punishment. See, we're still hiding. We're still afraid that God's going to come out. He's going to find out about us. He's going to see right through us. And he's going to punish us. But the scriptures say perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus took our punishment. He took our punishment. We have nothing to fear. Jesus became our punishment. We can boldly look into the face of our Father tonight and know that he completely and utterly adores us. In fact, the scriptures say, how great the love is the love the Father has lavished, (laughs) has lavished upon us, that we should be called sons and daughters of God. He's lavished it on you. He's lavished it on you. And when we begin to accept this, we begin to love ourselves because we see ourselves as he sees us, not in the pretext of this life. Amen? And the things this life has done to us. I see this woman and I just, I just love this woman in Scripture, Mary Magdalene. And here's this woman who comes to him. I mean, she, the scriptures, you know, the, the, the um, studies on this woman tell us that she was definitely a prostitute, that she was a, a, a bad, sinful woman. And in those days, you know, that would, you would just, you would never, ever be able to be redeemed from that. You, you were just outcasted. And she, she would have been spat on and used and abused. But somewhere inside that woman, somewhere inside Mary, was a little girl that was hurting. A little girl just like this little girl that died this morning. A little girl that was longing to be found because she was lost. A little girl that longed for someone to look into her eyes and find her in amongst all her sin and her pain and her ugliness, her filth and her stench of her life, someone who would find her. And she'd heard about this man, Jesus. She'd heard that, that, that when he looks at people, they change. When he touches people, they're healed. Just maybe, just maybe if I can get near him, just maybe if I can just get near him, there may be a chance for me. And she goes to this place where Jesus is eating. This is a Pharisee's house. This is a religious leader's house. These are the people who would stone her to death if they could get their hands on her. 
And it says this, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. And the studies say that this alabaster jar of perfume would have been her dowry. This would have been the very thing that was the, that was the only promise that she had of ever getting married or anything like that. But because she was a sinful woman, it was of no use to her because she would never get married. So this was the dowry that she had saved just in case, just in case that day came when someone would make an honest woman out of her. But she was way beyond that. So she gets this jar of perfume and it says, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his tears, his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair, she kissed them, she poured perfume over them. You know, she literally smashed that alabaster jar and poured it out over Jesus. Amen. She broke every, every hope that she had outside of him, and she poured it over his feet. Amen. And then it says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know, he would know, who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. Oh, yeah, Jesus knew who was touching him. And and he knew what kind of woman she was. And it wasn't the kind of woman that the Pharisee could see. It wasn't the kind of woman that she could see herself. No, this was a woman that Jesus could see that no one else could see because he could see into her. He could see into her. Amen? And he would know what kind of woman she is and that she is a sinner. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? This is Jesus now. I've just gone skip forward. And Jesus turns towards this man. He says, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. You see, Jesus is there. He's comparing religion with relationship. He's saying to this religious leader, you know, you you haven't done any of these things for me. But she's recognised who I am and she's recognised that I am her only hope. And then he says, see, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. For he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I could just imagine that Mary would have had her eyes downcast. I can just imagine that Mary would have been hiding from him, as we often hide from him, when he tries to come close to us when he tries to come into our space, when he tries to look into us and see into us, we want to hide again because we don't really want him to see us. We don't really want him to see us because we don't really believe that we are worthy. And I can imagine Mary at his feet, she would have her head down. She wouldn't have wanted to to look into his eyes. She was behind him. She'd gone behind because his feet were out the back and she'd gone behind him. You know, he, he, never, he doesn't even have to look at me. He doesn't even have to look at me. I just want to touch him. I just want to love him. I just want him to know how much I love him. And I could imagine Jesus turn around to her 
And when he was talking to the Pharisee, I believe he lifted up her chin and looked right into her eyes. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? And when he was saying those things, he was saying to this woman, I see into you. Mary, I see you. I see you. I see you. This woman, Mary Magdalene, become one of the greatest disciples the world has ever seen. She followed Jesus from this day forward. The scriptures say that he cast seven demons out of her, got her cleaned up, got her filled up, and she followed him. And she was the woman that he appeared to when he rose from the dead. She was the first one to see him. This woman. You see, because Jesus had seen her and when he saw her, she saw herself. See, the scriptures talk about this. They say that we are made in the image of God. Is that right? Man and woman, he created them in his image. He created them in his image. Do you know what? When you look into the face of God and you allow him to look into your face, you're actually looking at your own image as if in a mirror. You're actually looking at the reflection of what you are in the fullness of who you are and who you were created to be. You were created to be the image of God. And if we would just take time and allow God to reshape our thinking, if we would just take time and stop and look into the face of our Father as if we're looking into a reflection of ourselves, then we would find who we are. If we could still all the voices within ourselves and around us, if we could still the voice of the enemy for one moment and still the voices inside our own heads and still the voices that, are, that have come since our childhood. And if we could just stand before him like this picture and say, Father, what do you say about me? Who do you say I am? Father, Look into me. I want to be transparent before you, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Come into me. Tell me who I am. Our lives will be changed. Amen. Because the minute he tells you who you are, every other lie falls away. Because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Let's all just stand to our feet. Can I have the musicians, please?